following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. And praise God for computers and stuff like that. Help us remember all this. Uh, if you're a student, you know, it's good to know what to study for your final exam. When I was teaching, that was the question. What's going to be on the final exam? Because there's something worse than studying and learning all this great stuff that you're not, not tested for. What's the point in knowing stuff unless it's on the test, right? It would just be a waste to know stuff that's not tested. All right. Well, those are all good things to know. Uh, obviously, this morning we want to talk about something more than that. Um, the, the most vital, the most important thing to know, the most significant thing to know, is that God loves us. Uh, there's no knowledge, no truth, nothing you'll ever know that will have more impact in your life or more meaning or significance for you or for me personally than to know God and to know that he loves us. And Paul understood that. And uh, the first three chapters of Ephesians, as we shared last week, the, this prayer really serves as a hinge between the first three chapters and the last three chapters. And really the focus of the first three chapters is trying to convince and illustrate and teach and show the Ephesians and, and us as readers as well how much God really loves us. And uh, Paul gets to the end of this great explanation, powerful words, and he's still pretty well convinced that it just went right over their head. And honestly, all the times I've read Ephesians, and still to this day, I think most of it goes right over my head. And so Paul stops. He says, okay, I've said all I can say. Now the only thing that's left is to pray that God would show you how much he loves you. And that's what he prays. So let's read this prayer again. Um, Chapter 3, verse 14. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength, or he will strengthen you in the inner man through his Holy Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Uh, We looked last week at the first part of this prayer as Paul prays that we would be given power to be strengthened in our inner man, that we would be bolstered and fortified inwardly in our heart or our soul, the inner man, the inner person, uh, and that as that process develops, we also become... Uh, Christ becomes resident more and more in our life, and we really experience the presence of Christ. And Paul goes on to pray, uh, in the, really the second half or second major request of this prayer, that we would uh, know God's love. And he starts off uh, actually finishing up 
the end of his former thought by saying that you would be rooted and established in love. And it really is a great picture or image of the idea of, of a foundation. And Paul actually kind of mixes his metaphors. He kind of talks about being rooted and also of a foundation. Uh, both really picturing the same thing, that we would have a solid foundation with our lives built on God's love. Um, he has been talking about this in the first three chapters. And uh, his love is worthy of a solid foundation. His love is, is something substantial enough to build our life on. And it's this great picture of a, a tree sinking its roots deep down into firm, substantial soil that can hold it steady, that can uh, feed it, that can give it drink. Um, and as he prays this and as we talk about this, it's important to understand, first of all, that Paul is not in any way doubting or questioning the reality of God's love. Okay, everything we're going to talk about this morning has nothing to do with uh, getting God to love us more. All right, It's really important to understand that. In fact, he spent the first three chapters really trying to build the case that whether you know it or not, whether you comprehend it or not, or even believe it, or experience it or feel it, the fact is God loves you incredibly. Okay, And as believers, I mean, he, and, and it's important to understand that as Paul has explained this, God's love is for the whole world, not just believers. Okay, God does not love you more than he loves the unsaved. Uh, now, what he's done with us because we've responded in faith is significantly greater, but his heart is towards all people. He loves people. They are his creation. He loves all that he's made. And so, for as believers, we, we have the, the privilege and the opportunity to experience that love in a powerful way. But our experience of it has nothing to do with the reality of it. Okay? Uh, it's kind of like, you know, in, in life, there's a lot of things that, that are true that we may not know or experience. And you hear these stories of these people that discover on their deathbed that, you know, they had millions of dollars in the bank they didn't know about. Wouldn't that be a drag? You know? Uh, uh, and you hear those kind of things, you know, or the person that, you know, their, their house had some famous painting they didn't know about hanging on their, or their wall, and they died in poverty when there's this priceless painting, that kind of thing. Um, it's kind of like that with God's love. Our experience or knowledge of it doesn't change the reality of it. And uh, let me just read through quickly some of the scriptures in the first three chapters that explain this. He says in the, in the first chapter, he says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in, a, in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Okay? He goes on to explain that he adopted us. He's made us his children because of his great love for us. So we praise God for his glorious grace. He has poured out on us who belong to his Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins. Okay, just the images of the wealth of God's love. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Later he says, uh, You Gentiles have heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you when you believed in Christ, and he identified you by giving you his Holy Spirit, a gift of his great love and grace. Uh, later in Ephesians 2 he says, God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much 
that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that we are saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're all united with Christ. Um, on and on, Paul just talks about this. Last, last, let me read last Ephesians 2, 14. For Christ himself brought us peace. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. So, all, you know, and we know this, I and mean, this is not new information, but, but what Jesus did on the cross, what God did in sending his son, is proof, living proof of God's incredible love for us. Okay? And so Paul's been talking about that. And, and uh, when we talk about knowing God's love, about being rooted in his love, but being established, it doesn't mean that somehow by doing these things, God's going to love us more. It's really important to understand that. There's nothing we can do to increase or enhance God's love. His love towards us is perfect, it is complete, it is full. It is all that he set out to accomplish through the cross, loving us. Okay? So what we're talking about is not the reality of his love, but what we're talking about here really is our experience of it or our encounter with it. Okay, the reality is God's love is this huge ocean. And, you know, we're splashing around in a little thimble, little teacups of God's love. Okay? And he wants us to be impressed and to experience it in a much greater capacity. So um, it, and it's important to understand that in this prayer that this experience, this uh, apprehending God's love, is all part of one prayer. And I've broken it in two because I just have so much to say and I don't want to preach for three hours. Uh, and you don't want me to preach for 45 minutes probably. I go, that's, that's enough, okay? Um, so I've broken it in half, but the reality is this is all one prayer. Okay, it's one uh, focus. And so the, the, the prayer for the strengthening in the inner man, the bolstering up of our soul. We talked last week about growing our soul bigger so that we can experience more of God's presence in the inner man, that is vitally connected with this whole concept of experiencing God's love. Uh, I have this picture of a soul without roots. And I think a lot of, well, I know that all of us come into the world and even come into Christ as a, a weak soul. That's, a, that's why Paul says it needs to be strengthened. Without, without deep roots. Uh, and as Paul unfolds this picture... Uh, it's important to keep in mind that the experience of God's love is something that is primarily encountered in the inner man. Just as uh, we talked last week that Christ comes into our heart and we experience Christ's presence primarily inward in our heart and soul. In the same way, experiencing God's love is something that is most deeply and significantly encountered inwardly. That doesn't mean that God doesn't bless us outwardly and, and certainly you know, when God surprises us with outward blessings, when he surprises us with friends who actually like us, with a, a wife who treats us well and who loves us, even though we know we're kind of jerks sometimes, and God blesses us with these things, these outward things are certainly great reminders of God's love. But Paul has been talking, and he starts off in this in chapter 1, he says that you would know the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. <clears throat> that to really fully comprehend the expanse and depth and majesty of God's love, you have to go inward into the inner man and you have to sink the roots of your soul, of your heart, deep down into God's love. 
Okay, that you're going to encounter these things primarily inwardly, not just through outward circumstances. And for too much of our life, I think we spend trying to have an experience of God outwardly uh, that oftentimes is disappointing and oftentimes doesn't come. But the love that he's talking about here and the experience of it is inward. And uh, because of that, the stuff that we talked about last week of doing soul work, of taking time to work with the Holy Spirit and building the inner person is so vitally important. Okay, if you, if you want to know God's love, you have got to do the work of being still and quiet before God and learning to hear His voice speak to us in the inward person. Uh, to, to, to sense and know what it means to have an inward life of the heart and soul. Okay, if you don't develop a capacity for that, you can never really come to know and grasp fully God's love. Those two things are absolutely intertwined. All right? um, and I, I just have this picture of so many people who are, who are planted on firm soil. Okay, the, the soil of God's love is there, and our soul has been planted on this firm soil, but we have no roots. Okay, we've never taken the time to sink roots down into the, the, the bedrock, the soil of God's love, and be firmly rooted there. Um, and we all know what happens to a tree. We've all seen evidence of a tree that didn't have deep enough roots, right? Um, the wind comes, and it falls over, right? Hopefully not on your house or something. But uh, those roots are what give it stability. And the image that Paul paints here when he says to be rooted and established in love, he's talking here about a life that's firm and solid. Okay, there are images that talk about strength to stand in the midst of all the storms of life. And the reality is that in our life, in my life, uh, when I've gotten blown over, which has been quite often actually, uh, the problem is not that God doesn't love me. Uh, the problem is that I have not learned to sink deep roots down into his love to sustain me and keep me standing strong when difficulties come. Uh, and life is full of these, these problems. You know, Life is full of crisis and trials, uh, the storms of, of, of difficulties. Okay, the, the emotional earthquakes of people who say harsh things to us or things that don't go well. You all felt those emotional earthquakes? You just feel your inside turned upside down, right? Uh, when people betray you or reject you or just stab you in the back, you know. It hurts when it comes from our enemies. How much more it hurts when it comes from our friends, right? And these things can capsize our life. These things can turn us inside out. Our own failures and disappointments can just shipwreck us if we don't have good roots. And uh, life is full of these things. And when, when those things come, if we're not rooted, the, the end result is we get depressed or discouraged or we feel great anxiety or fear uh, or we just grow to be angry and bitter. You know, you ever meet those bitter, angry old people? These are people that have been blown over so much and they've never learned to get grounded and rooted that they just can't believe there's such a thing as love. And they're angry and bitter, right? And that can happen to an unbeliever. It can happen to a believer who has not learned to experience the power of God's love working in their inner, inner person. And so in our own lives, when we feel these, these things, okay, it's, it's evidence, it's a sign that we're not deeply rooted enough yet. Uh, another issue, another problem that comes along with the storms of, of these discouragements 
or the, what I would call the, just the waves of temptation that come against us. Same thing, same picture of a tree is on the coastline and the, the storms come and the waves batter against it and start washing the soil away. It doesn't have deep roots. What happens? Well, it falls over. Same thing true with temptation. You will never battle temptation and win based on your willpower. Okay, can anybody bear witness to that? <laughs> I can. Uh, okay, no matter how much you are determined to beat sin, you cannot do it just by determination alone in the end. I am convinced the only way you will ever conquer those plaguing sins in your life is to be deeply rooted in God's love. And Paul, actually, in the next few chapters, will see this. He unfolds what this looks like uh, in these practical situations of relationships, of sin, of dealing with life. And the foundation for it is God's love. One of the worst things we could do is jump to you know Ephesians chapter 5 and talk about marriage uh, without first understanding Ephesians 3 in this prayer. Okay, really, Ephesians 1 to 3 in this prayer. Because you cannot live successfully unless you are rooted and grounded in God's love. And that's why Paul prays earnestly for this for, uh, for the readers. Uh, he wants us to be like a thistle. <laughs> okay, now maybe I hate thistle. And in the United States where I come from, Colorado, they have this huge problem with the Russian thistle. Okay, and there's nothing against Russians. If you're from Russia, there's nothing against you, but I hate Russian thistle. But it's a great illustration of something that's just, you know, unstoppable. Uh, these thistle, are, you can't get rid of these things. You know, you can whack them off, clean at the ground. Two weeks later, they come back. You can spray these things with, you know, the most toxic things known to man. Three weeks later, they come back. You can burn them. Three weeks later, they come back. You can have an absolute drought where everything else is brown and dead as the wall over there. And the thistle will be green and flourishing. Okay, the reason for that is that, that these Russian thistles send roots down sometimes as deep as 40 feet. Okay, they are deeply rooted. And as a result, there's nothing you can do to hurt these guys. I mean, they are just are indestructible, right? And that's what Paul is praying for us. He's saying it is possible for you to be just indestructible. That trials, temptations, difficulties, struggles can come against you. And if you are deeply rooted enough in God's love, they can just whack you off at the knees, you know, and you'll come back, okay? I don't know if you'll come back in this slide, but you'll come back, you know, somewhere, somehow. And you are unstoppable, all right? People can reject you. They can call you names. They can, they can put you in jail. They can attack you. If you know that God loves you, if you really know that, it just doesn't matter. See, that's the great thing. When you know that God loves you, it's just really hard to get depressed, all right? No matter what somebody does to you, it's hard to be depressed when you know and you have experienced God's love for you. So how do we do that? How do we sink our, our roots down into God's love? Well, uh, Paul prays uh, specifically for two things that will help us sink our roots down in God's love. Uh, the first thing is, uh, he says that you would have the power to grasp or the power to comprehend this love. And then he describes it as that which is, you know, so high, so long, so wide, and so deep. I think I got the order wrong. He starts with wide. But this big love, okay? He says, first of all, you need to have power to do this. In other words, uh, God's love is, is in and of itself incomprehensible. Okay, God's love is so huge, it is so significant, it is so uh, just enormous 
that you and I cannot, of our own ability, comprehend God's love. That's a great place to start, all right? To just start there, to think, you know, God's love is so big. God's love for me is so big, I can't grasp it. And what that means, that implies several things. It means that, um, well, first of all, it means that our experience of love has been kind of messed up, all right? And one of the problems with comprehending God's love is that for all of us, we think we know love because we've had people love us. And we have had some experience with love, right? Uh, the problem is most of us, that experience of love has something to do with middle school and junior high, right? Which totally wrecks love forever. Because you have this crush on this guy or this girl who just you just know will make you the happiest person in the world. And your heart starts beating fast. And you start salivating and foaming at the mouth. And this person just totally overlooks you. And you don't even exist. They don't even know your name. They don't even know, you know, you exist. And you're just crushed, right? The problem is our human experience of love is never adequate as a basis to understand God's love. Okay? Even our parents' love is not enough. And and some of you have had great parents, and, and certainly... Uh, a parent's love is a small picture of what God's love is. But understand that a parent's love, is, as good as it may be, can never begin to picture the expanse of God's love for us. Okay? It's kind of like comparing a light bulb to the sun. All right? Now, it's true that a light bulb is somewhat like the sun. It's round. It gives off light and heat. And you could say that, well, a light bulb and the sun are the same thing, right? But they're really not the same thing. Okay, the, the light bulb is so minuscule compared to the sun that it, it's almost, it almost is not worth, worthy the comparison, right? Okay, the sun is so much more. Same thing really is true of human love when compared to God's love. And the reality is that all of us know that even the best human love falls short. I mean, I know that as a parent. My love as a parent has never been all that great, okay? Uh, we can't, we're too selfish to love as God loves. And with human relationships, there's always, there's no such thing in, in human love as unconditional love, right? We wish it could be that way, and we have that as a goal. But we, we can't pull that off, okay? So the first problem in comprehending God's love is that our models for love are greatly flawed and skewed. And uh, some of us far more than others. In fact, I know and talk to a lot of people who say, you know, I just can't call God Father. Because my own father was, was, was so damaging to me that I can't make that connection. Right? And that may be true. You may uh, have had a, a parent who just, you know, the, the whole concept of love is, is, has crippled you to understand that. All right? And there are many other contexts where uh, maybe even God himself, uh, you don't feel like God loved you the way he should have. You feel that God himself has somehow failed you in love. Right? And because we have this imperfect view of love, it gets twisted and corrupted. And so it's not possible for us humanly to grasp and understand God's love. Uh, the second problem, of course, is just one of size, quality, and magnitude. Okay, God's love is so far beyond anything human that we have nothing to measure it against. It really is kind of like trying to grasp the ocean. And have you ever just stood at the, at the beach and looked out to the horizon and like there's all this water? And have you ever tried to grasp like all the, 
water the world at one time. I just can't do it. You know, I just can't do it. And you fly across the Pacific and you just fly forever and you just see this water after water after water. And it's kind of beyond our grasp. Well, the same thing is true of God's love. It is infinite in scope. And so we really can't, we just can't know it. Um, so we need, we need supernatural help to understand it, to comprehend it. And so Paul prays that they would have power. Um, and it's important to, to put in perspective that the power God, that Paul prays for is supernatural power that comes through the Holy Spirit. Okay, uh, for many years in my Christian experience, I believe that I could figure God out and I could figure out his love if I just studied hard enough and just read enough books and studied the Bible and memorized enough scripture and uh, that, that I could... I could come to know God's love like I come to know, you know, U.S. history or Thai history or Thai language. But if I study it enough, I'll figure it out. You can't know God's love that way, all right? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't study the Bible or that it's not helpful to understand God's love. It is. But it in and of itself is never going to help you figure out God's love. Okay, my favorite one, um, and, and, you know, I, I am somewhat of a theo- theologian, we all are, okay? So I don't want to mock theologians. But theology will never bring you to encounter God's love, all right? Now, theology is good, and good theology is better, okay? Uh, so it's not, I'm not dissing theology here. But theology cannot bring you to understand God's love. In fact, ironically, some of the greatest theologians, I think, are the farthest from God's love. The reality is we can know everything about God and know very little of Him through personal experience. Know very little of what His love is. All right? And sadly, uh, I think the church of our, century, of our century, or the past century, you know, has had this mindset that it's all about knowledge. If I, if I know enough about God, that I will know Him. But it doesn't work that way. Uh, God's love is far beyond that. Um, and knowing it uh, has to go beyond our theology. God alone can cr- increase our capacity. God alone, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can enable us to grasp His person and His love. All right. So if you want to know God's love, you have to enter into a relationship with Him where you, along with the Holy Spirit, are working on the inner man, expanding your heart and your soul, giving you the capacity to sink these roots down into His love. All right. It's a spiritual exercise. Uh, he talks here about the dimensions of God's love, and I just want to cover real briefly. He talks about the width, the length, the height, and the depth. Uh, just the, the dimensions of God's love. He says the power to grasp is the width. You know, the width of God's love speaks of its incredible breadth, but it encompasses everything. There is no sinner. There is no people group. There is no language, tongue, uh, there's nothing that God's love is not broad enough to cover. Okay, it's as expansive as it gets. Okay, it covers everything. It, it is long. God's love is long-enduring. Okay, there's nobody that's... Well, actually, it's true. There, there are people who are so stubborn, they can, they can come to the end of God's love for themselves. But, but you can't wear out God's love. Okay, the length of it is, is eternally enduring. All right? God's love will far outlast us. It is high. 
It's supreme above every other kind of love and every other kind of thing. Okay, it is exalted above all. all right? It is deep. Uh, it flows out of the very depth of His being. Okay, God's love is the very expression of the depth of who He is. Um, and He wants to give us the power to understand it. But He goes on and... Uh, in the next verse, he, he says, not only do you need power, but he says that you need to, and he prays that the Ephesians would know this love that's unknowable. Okay, I love that. Okay, Paul has this great way of praying for like the impossible. But you know something you can't know. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, obviously it doesn't mean that it can't be known at all. All right. Uh, partly what he's saying here is that his love is beyond completely knowing. We can never know it fully. We can never exhaust God's love. Okay, we can never get to the end of it. They used to have this commercial a while back about this guy surfing on the internet, and he had this super fast computer with super fast modem, and now he gets to the screen, it says, pops up and bings, and it says, "You have reached the end of the internet." Right? Okay. Well, I don't know if you can actually ever do that. You know, it's actually pretty big. Maybe you could because it's not infinite, but God's love is. Okay, you can never get to the end of God's love. Okay, you will never know it. The cool thing is, all of our life on this earth, we will grow and continue to expand in our knowledge of God's love. When we die and go to heaven and we are with Him, we will continue growing in our knowledge of God's love forever. And we will never get to the end of it. Okay, no matter how much we grow and expand in the knowledge of God's love, we will never fully know it. Now, that's a cool thought. So for all of eternity, we're going to be learning new things and expanding in our knowledge of God, uh, of His love. Um, so how do you know something that's unknowable? Well, you know, it can't... It, it, part of it is, is coming back to this idea that it can't be grasped through research or study or knowledge. Okay. Uh, part of it is that it will never be exhausted. But part of the idea is that it's not known that way. Okay, It's not known through research. Okay, Science, as much as it tries to figure things out, will never figure out love, and especially God's love. All right? um, how do you know God's love? Well, I think what Paul is saying here, in fact, some translations actually reflect this, is the idea of the knowing that comes through experience. You see, what, what God wants us to know about His love is not just about it as a fact or as a doctrine or as a truth. God, and what Paul is praying here, is that we would experience God's love through direct personal encounter with it. Now, that's how you know something that's beyond knowing. Okay? Uh, I don't, you know, I, I could not explain and I couldn't plummet the depths of the wonder of the Himalayan mountain range. But I can go stand in the Himalayas and I can experience it, right? And I can know something of it that I would never know just by facts and information. You know, you could look at a mountain and you could, you know, people are smart enough to figure out how much it weighs. You can look at the makeup of the rock. You can talk about how high it is above sea level. But that's nothing like climbing the mountain, okay? Now, you guys maybe know I love climbing mountains. And if you're not a mountain climber, there's just something wrong with you. You need to get out and climb a mountain, right? Because um, there is something about experiencing 
just the wonder and ruggedness and majesty of God's creation from a mountaintop, right? And that kind of knowledge is, is different than just the facts and information about it. Um, you know, we could explain the, the chemistry and hormones and adrenaline of falling in love. You know, dad could say to his son, now son, you know, one of these days your heart's going to start racing fast and your palms are going to get all sweaty when, when, when you get around girls. Okay, that means you're falling in love. Okay, well, that just doesn't really do much for you. You know, it's like, well, I don't really know if I want my hands to be sweaty, right? But all of a sudden, you know, some kid walks along and all of a sudden this girl just melts his heart and his heart starts beating fast and his hands get all sweaty and he experiences falling in love, okay? Well, that knowledge is far more than just the facts about it, right? Well, that's what God wants with us. He wants us to experience a relationship with him where we experience and encounter his love personally. Now, whether or not we can explain it doesn't even really matter as much as that we encounter it that we experience it, that we know it that way. Um, and, and Paul says that you, know, that you would know this love that's beyond knowing, which I believe can only come through personal encounter and experience of meeting God and having him touch our life and speak his love into our heart personally. There's just no substitute for that experience. Uh, and he says that, that we would do this along with all the saints together with all the saints. And it's very important because a lot of us think that we can have this one-on-one relationship with God where God and I are just in perfect love and harmony, right? And we hope that other people come along, but if they do or don't, it doesn't really matter as long as I have this personal love relationship with God, right? It doesn't work that way. It does, absolutely does not work that way. You cannot experience and encounter God's love on a solo venture, Okay? It is ultimately experienced in community with other believers. All right, now we kind of already know this. You know, which would you rather do? Watch a movie all by yourself or watch it with somebody? Okay, there's something about watching a movie with somebody that makes it better, right? Especially if it's the right person, right? You know, it's just something about it. Sharing it, uh, sharing together that, that event. Um, why is it that when you tell a powerful story to somebody, you know, if you're kind of an emotional person, you cry, right? Now, most people don't cry when they just think of it by themselves. But when you tell it, what happens? There's a new level of emotion that goes with that because you share it with another human being. Um, You can go on down the list. I mean, nothing worse than a person who tells jokes to themselves and laughs at them, okay? That's just pathetic, right? Uh, There's something about... The telling of a joke that requires an audience, okay, who has the same twisted kind of sense of humor that you do, and you share together in the humor of it, right? Well, if that's true of telling jokes, watching movies, and and telling stories, how much more is it true of experiencing God, right? When we share together our experience of growing in the knowledge and, and experience of His love, and we share that with other believers who are also on that same journey. That is powerful. Okay? And that's why God called us into the church where as a fellowship, as a community of believers, we come together and we share our lives together in the struggle and adventure of faith. Right? We share this together as we grow in His love. Uh, we know Him together. Well, finally, he caps all this off by saying that... Uh, 
that we need to do this. We need to go so know God's love and experience it so that you will be made complete or will be filled with all the fullness of God. Bottom line is this is this is the this is the path to spiritual maturity. Uh, God's design and plan for us is that we would be filled with the fullness of God. Uh, to be filled with God means that that His very character and being and person fills our whole being. All right, He says to be filled up, filled to overflowing with God Himself. Okay, that's God's goal for our life. That as our as our roots grow down deep into His soil. We drink up His very presence into our life so that every part of our life, our thought, our action, our being is just filled with the very being of God Himself. That's God's plan. And He says the, the path to do this is by knowing His love. Okay, There's no substitute for that. Uh, study theology, Bible study, Bible memorization, going to church, serving God, are not going to fill you with the fullness of God. The only thing that will fill you with the fullness of God is to encounter and know His love and to be rooted in it so that it's the foundation stone of our whole entire being and existence. Um, is that the goal of our life? Okay, Paul is saying you're not going to reach spiritual maturity unless you are living in this place in your life where you are rooted and established in God's love and you know His love intimately and deeply and personally where you have encountered it and tasted it. okay. So therefore, that ought to be the ultimate goal and priority of our life, to know and experience and encounter God's love. Uh, he says that we're filled, not just filled up, but he says we're filled with actually God's fullness. Kind of a strange statement. And really all it's saying is that, that when God fills us, He fills us with the fullness of all His being. That doesn't mean that all of God lives in us. But it means that all that God is fills and possesses us. So in other words, as we grow, we, we take into us the full nature and character of God. And we become transformed to be like Him as we're filled with His being in person. Uh, we, we have His patience. We have His love. We have His heart. We have His vision. Uh, become filled with the fullness of God. Is, is this really possible? You know, you may be thinking, I would love to know God's love like this. I would love to encounter God's love in a way that just transforms my life. Uh, do you want that? I do, more and more. And in my own life, uh, you know, I feel like I feel like I've run up to the ocean, not a saltwater ocean, but a freshwater ocean of God's love. And I dove in and I drank as much as I could possibly drink. And God said, yeah, that's good, but we've got a whole ocean to go. Drink up, right? <laughs> and I drank like, you know, a gallon, if that much. Uh, God wants to fill us with his love. And, we, uh, and he wants to expand and enlarge our capacity to drink it in. Do you want that? I do. You know, back uh, throughout my, my years... For one reason or another, I, I have struggled a lot in the past with depression. Uh, I struggled a lot with self-doubt. I struggled a lot with just a lot of things, you know. Um, and as I have come, you know, I've gone through counseling. I, I was a counselor. I studied counseling. Those are good things. 
I went to Bible school. I went to seminary. I, I learned God's word. That's a good thing. But I'll tell you, nothing took away those empty places in my life until I learned to start encountering God's love and presence in the depth of my soul. As I started to work on my soul, not my brain, not my intellect, uh, when I started to work on my soul and learn to meet God uh, day by day. And, you know, His love, God's gracious enough that He doesn't pour the whole thing on us all at once. It would kill us, right? Uh, water's a good thing if you drink it. If you drown in it, it's a bad thing, right? God doesn't want to drown us in His love. So here's how it works. It, it's a slow process. If you're expecting that, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to seek God, I'm going to pray for this, and I'm going to have this great experience where instantly overnight, wow, I'm full of God's love. It doesn't work that way. It's a day-by-day growing process. Roots grow down into the soil slowly. Okay, slowly. We build on that foundation slowly. But day-by-day, God wants to transform your life through His love. Is it possible? Can God really do this? Can He really give you an encounter with His love like that? Can He really make it possible for you to experience His infinite goodness? Well, I love the way Paul finishes this. He says, And now all glory to God, who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Uh, in, In the Greek, Paul just uses a lot of really big words to talk about how expansively able, super abundantly able, God is to do this. God wants to do this. Wants to do this. And he closes, Now all glory to Him in the church and in Christ. Powerful expression. God's glory for the universe, for all of history and all of time, is wrapped up in two things. In Jesus Christ and in His church. And at the core of both of those things is is one simple thing. It is God's love. It is God's love for His Son. Uh, It is God's love flowing out through His Son. It's God's love for His church. And God's love flowing out through His church. All of God's work, all of God's program, all of God's creative focus of of all of time is focused on that simple thing. Let's pray. Father, uh, all that we've said and taught and talked about are just simply words. They are in themselves concepts and ideas and knowledge at one level. But Lord, that's not really what we want. Uh, The truth is we already know all this. It's not anything new. But Lord, along with the Apostle Paul, I just pray for every person here Lord, that we would be strengthened in our inner inner being. That You, by the work of Your Holy Spirit, would just broaden and expand our heart and our soul. Lord, that we would be people who learn to live from the inside out, focused on uh, the inner man, the soul, the place where we meet with You. Lord, that we would be people who know what it means to have Jesus residing in us. To just live daily, experiencing and knowing the presence of Christ within us. And most of all, Father, that we would come to know and experience uh, deeply 
your love. This love that is beyond measure, is beyond grasp, beyond comprehension. Lord, that we would come to know it by, by tasting of it, by experiencing it deep in our, in our heart and soul. And Lord, I do believe that nothing will do more to transform and change us than as we live and move and walk and breathe in, uh, in the atmosphere of your love. As that becomes truly the foundation of our whole life and our whole being. So Lord, I pray that you would do that in our lives. And Lord, I, I pray that on our part that we would, first of all, grow to believe how true it is. And then to just pursue it as the passion of our life. Lord, that everything else would flow out of that knowledge, out of that place of being in relationship with you. Lord, help us to do this, we pray. Empower us by your Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.